host of this show, Max Naist, lived in addiction for years and made lots of destructive choices, which resulted in losing friends, family, and his career. After being in jail for the fourth time, he knew he needed to make some big changes. Now, sober for 17 years, he shares the steps he took, which led to recovery and got his life back. Welcome to Fearless Happiness. 19.7 million American adults have battled a substance use disorder. 38% of adults have battled an illicit drug use disorder. But no matter what the struggle, no matter the challenge, you can overcome anything and become successful. Max and his guests share experience, strength, hope, and faith. If it's PTSD or military-related, trauma, physical, verbal, sexual addiction, alcoholism, you can accomplish your dreams. And with this show, we help others be fearless in their pursuit of happiness. This is Fearless Happiness, and this is Max Naist. All right, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you are in this world. This is Max from the Fearless Happiness Podcast. Today, I got an awesome guest. I got to meet this guy, was it two years ago now almost, or a year ago at a live event, and me and this guy clicked from day one online, and then we got to meet in person, and he's just been one of the guys I look up to. He's got an amazing story. You got to let him tell it, and we're going to get started here in a second, but this dude's just an amazing guy. He's one of the guys I like to check in on. He checks in on me. We run in the same circles when it comes to bettering ourselves and, and, and creating businesses and stuff like that. He's just an awesome gentleman. Joe, what I like to do is have you introduce yourself to the audience, like who you are and what is it that you do? All right. Um, thank you, Max, for having me on the Happiness Podcast. Uh, this is cool, man. Uh, my name's Joe D. Guerra. Uh, last name means war, and that's kind of how like uh, life started for me since I was born. Um, it's funny, I heard a saying, it was like uh, a religious man is scared of hell and a spiritual man came from hell, you know? Yeah, and, and I've heard that too. Basically, yeah, ba so basically, man, you know, um, came from the streets, but like third generation came from the streets, you know? Uh, grandfather on my father's side, uh, Went to prison, was a murderer. Father, same way, was went to prison, was a murderer. Um, thank God, no murderer over here, though. You know, uh, did go to prison and stuff, and uh, um, and and it got down to where, where where I was at. Like that's what they were doing, and uh, I did have an incident where I, you know, I, it was life or death right there. Is either you know kill or be killed as well. You know, you know how that goes. You know, yeah, and. Um, so yeah, like my uh, my, my grandfather, uh, dude came. You know, he's from here. It's, you know, I'm like fifth generation uh, 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 Texan. Like I like to say, you know, Tex-Mex. Uh, born and raised in Texas, uh, from stockyards, Fort Worth, uh, where the Wild West started. I like to always throw that in there, you know. And then, uh, <laughs> um, uh, father, uh, grandfather uh, uh, worked his butt off on my dad's side. Uh, started selling dope became a big kingpin back in the day and then you know you know what comes with that type of lifestyle and stuff and uh right. father he was actually murdered when i was nine and it was from the streets as well you know he he had a uh, you know he was always that guy that nobody can uh do anything to him and uh finally found his you know um you know found the guy who could and got in an argument and uh literally uh got blown away three times uh point blank range with a, a 12 gauge shotgun and uh yeah so it was he, he grabbed the gun and uh he, he 
He's like, you're not going to do nothing with that and try to grab it from him. And the dude just started going off on him, shot him uh, twice in the chest and once in the stomach, I believe. And then, um, so I was, uh, I didn't really know him. I just heard stories about him uh, by, you know, and then, you know, you got on my mom's side, uh, they're totally opposite, like, you know, nine to five workers. <laughs> you know, my mom was just, I guess she was just into that stuff. You know what I mean? She was wild herself, you know, growing up single parent home it was just us two you know and then my brother came along seven years after me and then you know it was pretty much a man of the house since then um had a man honestly had a really great childhood because of my great grandparents and my grandparents i mean my grandmother on my mom's side they they were always there for me they're the ones that you know i kind of seen that raised me you know took care of me stuff like that you know only thing about that you know yeah they wanted to give me everything and, and they did, you know, and, you know, I, I didn't have no need for anything. It's just, you know, uh, uh, you know, still something missing, you know, there's, you know, I, I would always try to act, you know, with my chest up, you know, and oh, I'm not, I'm not, you know, I don't need no dad, you know, you know, I'm, you know, yeah. he's, he's this, and that, and, you know, I can do this myself, you know, you know, I, I can't, I gotta be mad at the house. So I ain't got no time to be really sitting here, you know, crying about it, you know, right. Like deep, deep down though, you know, I'm looking at, my neighbor, he has his mom and dad, you know, he has his brother and sister. And, you know, my growing up, you know, at, at my home, it was just my mom and I and my brother. And my mom was always, you know, going out, you know, she was partying when she was young and stuff, you know, and, and kind of did that thing. And, you know, I'm just there stuck at the crib by myself most of the time or, you know, I'm there with my brother watching. And, you know, that's why I say my great grandmother, my grandmother, because, man, any chance I could, you know, like, hey, can we just go over there, you know? Can we right. just spend a night over there? And, you know, you know how they are. Shoot, they're not going to tell us no because they know what the situation was, too. You know what I mean? So it's right. like, let me just go over there. I'd rather be over here where I know I'm going to eat. You know, I'm going to I'm going to get a home cooked meal, you know, <laughs> all that stuff. You know, yeah, and, you're going to get the, uh, you're going to get the loving that you didn't get from mom because she was out partying. I get it. Yeah, I get for it. real. And, and, and it was still like, you know. I mean, I loved it and everything, but, you know, everything was always still missing. Like, you know, the fatherly love, that's a whole different game. You know, my great-grandfather did, did had everything. He just, he just old, you know what I mean? It's not like he could sit there and like, hey, young man, let me show you the game of what's going on in life and how to work hard and this and that. I saw my grandfather on my dad's side and he's rolling with new rides. And I had, you know, my uncles with on his side and I had one that was actually my age. And, you know, he's got him a low rider and I think he put like 10, 20 grand in that thing. You know what I mean? And, you know, this right. is the 90s and stuff, you know, when it was 20 grand was a lot. 10 grand was a lot, you know, all that stuff. And uh, yep. so, like, I'm saying, like, well, this is where it's at. And then literally had uh, my uncle, the one that's my age, he was like, hey, you want to you wanna start slanging some stuff? And I'm like, yeah, let's check it out. And Literally, this is the first time I'd seen, like, you know, like, like dope, like coke, you know, because that's what, what we're known about was for coke back then. Right. And, uh, man, I seen a, I seen a, my great grand, my grandfather had a, a, a um, king size bed. And we, he, my uncle takes me into the rooms and helped me hold the bed. And, dude, it was just, it was held up by nothing but kilos. And I was just like, oh, what? man. How like, old were you at wow. this time? Like, how old were you when this started? That right there was around what I was, I was 16. I was 16. Cause like I was already in high school. I had my car, you know, I was going out to house parties already and I started seeing everybody, what they were doing, you know, 
like for me, I was all into the drinking part. I love to drink. I thought, you know, that made me social. Right. Uh, that, how I was thinking in my head, you know. And I, I, I thought, oh, at least I'm not snorting anything in my nose. At least I'm not shooting nothing in my arm. You know, I had that mentality and I kind of thought like, oh, well, I'm doing all right. But man, that alcohol, man, like every memory that, that my life went, it was due to the alcohol, you know? Right. And, 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 you know? I know people so don't realize like, that alcohol is a drug, man. And that's like sometimes our starting point to the worst stuff. Right. But if you think yeah. about it, it's as bad as the worst stuff that we thought was worse. You know what I mean? Yes. They're not worse. If, if not for me, at least they're not worse because you know, here I want, you know, I'll get that liquid courage. And I'm like, what's up? We start, you know, I'm, you know, I'm fighting, we're shooting, <laughs> we're stabbing, you know, it gets all like that. And right. it's just all ego and stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. One thing I did could say was like, all right, you know, if I didn't handle it that night and I started something, I would like wake up the next day. Like, all right, I want to do this sober and let's go handle business type stuff. But like right. that started so many stuff that I didn't have to worry about. Like there was one time where I'm like 20 years old, 21 years old, got into it with some people and like literally shot up all this, you know, their place and shot up at the bar we're at and stuff. And oh, next shit. thing you know it. And this is stockyards, bro. Like right here in Main Street, where it's all at, you know. And I'm over here shooting everybody up and everything, and then going home, and I'm waking up because you know by then I'm taking bars and drinking right. lean and stuff. And I woke up with my AK, my next to me, my 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 wife at the time, uh, uh, and then my 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 two oldest kids, and they're like babies, you know. They're like you know four and two. Right. And I'm like, what the heck? And like here I am, like. Right there laying with them. We took the bed. But she's like, you don't remember anything what you did last night? I'm like, no. He goes, you come in the house. You told everybody to get up. You move us all in the back room. You grab the mattress. And here we are laying here now with all these <laughs> guns around us. And I was like, what the fuck? You know? And so that was, that was all that stuff. And then I got into, like, when I finally, like, that that's happened. And I just got stuff started. Because, you know, like I said, I was drinking. I love the party. So everybody kind of knew me for the partying guy. And like, you know, what comes to party is drugs, you know? So I was like, well, I might as well make money off of this while I'm out here with all these people. So let's do it. So here we are, you know, try to do a couple things. Didn't really work out. And then when I got out of high school, I was already like 18. And, and, and you know, it, it worked, you know, 20s here, 20s there and stuff. Kind of like trying to get a job, you know, like, ah, oh, this really ain't working because I was fronted. And then that shit will get, they wouldn't pay me. And then I'm over here owing. I'm like, God dang, you know, it was just, it was a hassle, dude. I didn't have nobody. I couldn't even sell dope right. You know what I mean? Like, and here I am yeah. trying to do it, you know? Yeah. But that's kind of like you said, the environment you were in, right? That's what you kind of, from what I'm hearing, right? That's what you were raised in. So you figured, Hey, dad did it. Uncles did it. Grandfathers did it. So I'm next in line. Why not? Right? Like you didn't have that healthy what do you call it? Uh, mentor or father figure, right? Because you just said your daughter, your dad, you were nine when your dad was murdered, right? Because I can relate to you in, in a sense, right? My dad was never there when I grew up. Um, and last time I saw him was I was 11 years old or 10 turning 11. And I get it, right? So then I started looking at other places like, okay, right? Start hanging out with the wrong crowd, right? Like start smoking weed, right? Going to the kegger parties on the weekend, make sure I did just good enough in high school to play sports, but then weekends it was on, you know what I mean? Amen, bro. <laughs> right? So, so, you know, I, I can relate to you, right? So this is what I want the audience to know, right? This is 
like our environment growing up, you know, and I didn't grow up in a bad environment. I mean, I didn't have gang shootings going on. Yes, I lived near places where they had that, right? But mine was more middle-class America, right? Everybody went to school, got good grades, blah, blah, blah. You know, and most of the jocks that made themselves look good were all big partiers like we were, you know what I mean? But, you know, what I, I want the audience to understand, this is what you went through. And then what I want you to get into is when you really notice, like, Things are not what I thought, right? Like it's time to make a change, right? Because I'll oh, tell the man. audience when I first met Joe, like I would have never, I might've thought he got in trouble a little bit, but like when I heard his story, I was like, no, not Joe. Cause he's like, if you can't see him, but I can, he's smiling. He's always joking, having fun, right? We had a good time when we met. So like tell the audience, like when things like took a turn for the worse personally, and you knew that I got to make a change. Man, like, so I'm already 26 now, right? And by this time, I'm moving like 10 kilos of coke a week, five pounds of ice a week, you know, and then like, you know, anywhere from 500 to 1,000 pounds of weed a month, like just like clockwork now. Like I went from trying to figure it out and now I'm over here doing this, you know, literally 10 years later and, and, and just stuck with it. And what really hit me was I remember – it was a it was a freaking badass Saturday, man. Like I, I woke up early. It was like you know it was already like ten o'clock, eleven o'clock. It was just a good ass Saturday. Like now I'm old. I'm I'm what, forty one now. Now I see Saturday like this. I, I want to go for a jog or something. You know, it's like go for a walk type stuff. You know what I mean? Right. But, you know, back then I was I was like, man, I want to get out of here and already get party. I want to go party already. Like let's go. I got money. I can do whatever the fuck I want. I want right. to get it started right now. Let's go and get that <laughs> strip club steak right now when they open up at 11 type shit. You know what right. I mean? I do. And, and I and I remember like leaving in my two oldest now, you know, they're, they're, they're already what, like like nine and six, maybe something like that, right? And they're, they're over here like they're, they're, they wanted to play. Like I remember my oldest daughter, she's like, Dad, you know, let's play because they're already playing. They're already up. And then they're surprised that I'm already up and stuff. And I'm like, you know, because I sleep into like two o'clock type stuff, you know what I mean? Right. And so I'm like, I'm like, and I remember seeing him like, no, I gotta go, baby. I gotta go. I, I ain't got time right now. I gotta I gotta take off. I had nowhere to really go, man. I just wanted to get out of there and I just want to go hang out with these so-called homies and friends and shit. You know what I mean? And you know, let us go get a steak and go get some strippers type thing. Like I was on that dumb shit, right? And, <laughs> right. and I'm like, oh no, not right now, baby. I gotta go for a meeting, you know what I mean? And here I am taking off and I go to the house where, you know, where everybody's at, you know, we had just partied the night before too, you know, you know how that goes, staying yep. up till six in the morning type stuff, Snoop Dogg, you know, verse and everything. And, uh, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> and here we are, uh, everybody's still sleeping. Everybody's like all hungover. It's all dark in the house. And I, and I'm just kind of looking around. I'm like, man, what am I doing here? I'm like, I was like, you know what? I remember speaking to God. I'm like, you know what, God, man, I'm not gonna change. I'm like, this, this is too easy. Like, you know, I'm making, I'm making some money over here. It's too, too, too easy. I know I want to fucking change. I, I like, you know, I, I literally thought about with my kids. Like, why do I even leave them? You know, I go, but you gotta do something to me more. It's gonna, I gotta change, man. And 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 and, and, and I'm gonna leave that up to you. This was November, man, and, and, and January. I had my youngest daughter, right? And uh, I remember, like, 
you know, I have I have five kids, four with my ex-wife and one with somebody else. That's why I have the ex-wife, right? And this all going, I'm going through all this before all this is what I'm telling you going on and stuff. And uh, I'm finding out I have the other one. She, he's about to be born the same time that my youngest daughter's about to be born because I have my son as well, right? And uh, so she's born January 2nd. And I'm like, for the first time, man, like, you know, it's like the movies and shit you see. Oh, when I saw my baby, my life changed type stuff, right? Right. And like, it didn't work for my first one. I don't know why. I was a kid. I had her at 16. My second one, you know, uh, um, biologically, he's not mine. But like, I, you know, since he was born and, and everything, I took him as mine. My name, I, you know, he's my oldest son, you know, named after me and everything. Right. Uh, my third child, same way, what's called a... a my, I, I, I guess I love toxic relations back then because I could never leave my baby mama type stuff, right? <laughs> right. So she had, she had another kid again when we were separated. And then that guy was gone. And, I, and like to me growing up, you know, I had a single family and I had, you know, I had a different last name. My mom had a different last name. My brother had a different last name. Like everybody had different last names. You know what I mean? So I was all like, no, give me my name. You know, they're all going to be my kids. This and that. And now we're having our our fourth child, you know, and it's, you know, right. it's mine now. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. And so finally here we are, you know, and I'm like, wow, she's born. And, and, and it, that's when it hit me. Like, oh, my God, I'm done. I, I'm going to stop slinging. It, you know, it's whatever after this. And I promise, man, that next week, dude, I literally got popped, man. I got popped with a pound of ice and some Coke and some pills and stuff. And turn out, you know, I got set up by the state and then as i'm going through this ordeal it's so funny because like i'm like oh i'm changing now you know i'm gonna i got to working i, I quit right. i was like i'm done with this you know and i told everybody fuck y'all y'all don't call me because i don't owe nobody nothing i had to drop like a, a lot of money so our kids don't get picked up in the van because you know no matter if you get busted or not bro if you owe money in the streets you gotta pay that shit are they right in that van you know what yeah, i mean absolutely so like here I am. I didn't even want to go out and get the, the way I was. Like I'm not. I don't care what anybody owes me. I had the money saved up. I just dropped the dough, and I was like, "Here's all this fucking money that I was supposed to like keep to retire, which you never fucking get able to keep because all it does is go back to the plug, to the lawyers, and all the other shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and so, so here we are, man. I'm working for you know nine months now. You know, my, my other son's born. My, my my wife is yet to know. So I'm like, oh, man, I got this other son. I'm just going to have to come out with it. And I, 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 I it was my first time ever getting busted. So I got to bond out because, you know, I had some money at the time. And so, like, my lawyer's like, all right, man, you know, it's going to it's going to be uh, uh, since it's your first time, you know, we can get you uh, 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 probation, which you're going to get like 10 years probation. And I'm like, shit, I'm fine with that. I got a job now. I'm fucking making over with overtime back then, this was what 06. I'm over here, you know, uh, uh I made $1,800 a week, so I'm like, shit, I, I could do this for 10 years. <laughs> I ain't tripping, you know, who cares, right? You know what I mean? Like, I'm done. Yeah. I'm like, I'm, I'm thinking I'm done. And, and and next thing you know, he's like, all right, well, we're gonna get probation. So I'm like, cool. So next thing you know, you know, I haven't been out in nine months. This is already September, it's literally September 14th, because it was a Friday, and 16th was a Sunday. And next thing you know, dude, uh, I get this idea. Like, well, I ain't seen nobody in a while. Now that I know I'm out in the clear, right. let me go see what everybody's doing. And I go try to see everybody. And I end up getting pulled over. And the people that I seen, somebody left the damn uh, open container in, the, in my ride. And they oh, seen that I was on bond already. Took me in. 
But that was that was September 2016, and I didn't come home till uh, I mean 2006, and I didn't come home till 2015. After that, seven years later, man. Wow. Um, going going through that, that was wild. I can only <laughs> imagine. Right. And that's what started you on this path, probably. Right. Because then you had a lot of time in prison to think about, like, how am I going to change? Right. Shit. Let alone yes. the challenges you have while you're sitting in prison. Right. Because we know yes. I don't care what state you are. There's always those prison politics. Right. You know, yep. whatever, you know. And and luckily for me, I never made it to prison. I was supposed to go for three years, but the judge gave me a third chance. But I have a lot of friends like yourself who did time right and and they tell me they had these moments in there where like okay i gotta do my time but i'm gonna make the best of it while i'm here so that when i get out i have a different say let's say mindset right so what was those moments when you were sitting in your in your cell going yeah well this didn't work out the way i thought but now i gotta really make change right because i got kids out there waiting for me i got a girl waiting for me right and i want to do different like, I know I had those conversations when I was in jail last time going, okay, God, I don't know what it's going to be, but you got to show me because this is getting old, right? Us 32 years old, right? I'm like, I don't want to be sitting in here. Um, yes. So tell the audience, like, some of the challenges you went through in prison to that helped man, you really was, change that mindset. Man, um, dude, first, like, because, like, what ended up happening was, for one, was um, – like I said, I got a, a, it was originally a state charge. And then when I was sitting there, cause I got that DWI stuff, I'm sitting there. Next thing you know, I got a bond and it, it's a hold for a federal charge. So now I got a federal charge and a state charge. And I'm like, what the heck? So that starts crashing down on me. They're telling me that they want to give me 20 years for all this, for, for all this running Coke and stuff. And I'm like, I go, I ain't even got no paperwork yet. I ain't seen nothing yet. I'm like, whatever, dude, let's go see what we got to do. And right. next thing you know it, man, I get there, I get to the feds finally, we put our stuff on hold for the state, and then they're telling me, you know, I'm in this conspiracy, and I'm just like, what the heck? So next thing you know it, I'm, I'm fighting it and everything, and and, and that, that right there was already like, dude, like, like here I was thinking I'm getting probation, and now I'm in the feds facing, like, you know, 20, 20 years life right now. Right. And I'm like, what the heck? And what's so funny is because even back then, being tested then, my faith was strong until it came to actually take take action on some things. Because I remember <laughs> right. I'm sitting there, dude. I'm like, man, I'm, I'm sorry, God, everything I did. Like, whatever is going to happen, let's just take care of it all right now, all my karma. I just want to serve my time, do right. all that, whatever. Like, let's just get this out the way type stuff. And then next thing you know, you know, like I said, I got the 96 months for the feds. And they end up giving me eight years for the state. And so, like, I signed for the feds and I go to the state. And I'm thinking, you know, they're telling me, they lying to me, of course, but they're, like, telling me, dude, once you sign the state, you, you know, they're going to run it together, which they did. But then they're telling me, you're just going to go to the feds. You're not even going to have to worry about it. It's your first time. You're going to go to a camp, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, all right, cool. This is going to be awesome. No fences. And I can play golf. You know what I mean? That's what everybody talks about, right? Right. I can eat big steak type shit, you know? And uh, so next thing you know, man, I'm 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 catching chain from my my hometown because of my state charge. Well, I'm thinking I'm going to the feds, and dude, I'm going to the state. So that was already the first thing. Like I'm like, what the heck? Because I had given all my stuff away in the state. You could at least take your slides, your t-shirt, your boxers, and the feds. You couldn't take nothing. So I'm thinking I'm going to the feds. So I gave it all away. 
So now I'm looking like dude from the Green Mile with the cutoff jumper, no socks, no boxes, no T-shirt. It's fucking New Year's Eve in December. Cold as heck in Texas, dude. And oh, I'm going out to West Texas where there's no trees, bro, or nothing. I'm just like, what the heck? So next <laughs> oh, thing you know, I get – I'm sitting there, don't have no idea what I'm doing, know what's going on. Uh, of course, God is always there for me when you don't think and stuff, you know, or there for you when you don't think. And I get put into – I got, like, the best job at that compound, which was so funny. It was uh, – I was, like, the maintenance clerk. And they were like, you know, you scored so high on the IQ that uh, you have the best job in the compound, so you should be very fortunate. I'm like, yeah, whatever, dude. I'm in fucking prison. I don't even know <laughs> what the hell I'm doing in the state. I still got to go do Fed time. Like, what's going on here? Get me out of here because I want to go to the Feds. So right. I'm thinking it's going to be better. Right. You, know, you know, parentheses for the, the listeners. I got parentheses <laughs> on, you know. And, uh, and so I'm like over here, finally get parole, a parole from the state. And before that, you know, I get that Dear John letter. So there's already just, you know, because it's not just one moment. There's many moments just chopping me down, dude. Right. And like, there's, here's the first moment. It's the Dear John letter. Sorry, it ain't going to work out. Here's the divorce papers. We're going to send that to you. By the way, I got some other guy treating me but like, you know, the best now. I'm like, <laughs> what the heck? So that right. was that. And the next thing you know, I finally getting paroled out because I stayed there for three months. And then I'm getting paroled out finally. I'm going to the feds and I'm all excited that I'm catching chain. I go to Houston, you know, to go stay there overnight. And I'm already thinking like, dude, this is it. This is the feds. They got Air Force Ones over here. And, you know, and commissary. You know, it right. was actually Memorial Day weekend. And, and, and I'm over here like, dude, this is awesome. I go, we got steak for dinner, this and that. And the next thing you know, it, they tell me finally where I'm going to go. And they tell me Polak USP. And I have no idea what the heck USP meant at the time. And now I know, which means United States Penitentiary. And I was like, and, and I remember telling the guys that were there, these black guys that are like, I was like, hey, man, I go, where the heck is Polak USP? They're like, oh, damn. I was like, well, what's that? What do you mean, damn? They're like, damn, bro, that's like Rocky Road where you're going. You know, I'm oh, green shit. as hell, dude. I don't know what the heck that even means because this is my first time even going anywhere. And I'm like, all right, you know, whatever, dude. So next thing you know, man, we get to I'm, – I'm finding out it's in Louisiana, Alexandria, Louisiana, right? And it's a it's a, the compound's Pollock, and they have a camp there. They have a medium there, and then they have the max, the, the, the penitentiary there. Right. And so – I'm thinking like, oh, I'm going to go to the law. That's why I'm going to Polak. <laughs> and we get, we get there. And first we pull up to the medium. They kept calling this guy in front of me. And and, and, and they didn't, they called him. They didn't call me. I'm like, that means I'm going to the camp. Because that's the medium. They're dropping these guys off. They say, no, they were passing the camp. And I'm like, why are oh, we man. turning into the camp? We're going right to those towers, man. And that's when it fucking hit me. I was like, what am I doing at this place? And next thing I know, I did, I just, it was like one of those, that self-talk, like at that moment when them door, when them, them fucking gates were opening, they were fucking live ammo ready to fucking fire at us at the towers and shit where our bus is coming in. Yep. I'm just like, this is going to be a crazy story. This is going to be one hell of a story, man. Right. That's when you have that realization, like this shit is real. Like I messed up, like, right. Like this is not camp Snoopy. Like this is not going to be the camp where I get to have a steak dinner. Bro, they, they were literally already on lockdown that night because they had just killed somebody on the yard. 
And here wow. we are pulling up. And it's funny, dude, because I'm from Fort Worth, Texas, right? And there's, there's, you know, Texas, there's a bunch of prison gangs, man, just, you know, that run all like, there's probably like 100 plus, 200 plus prison oh, gangs yeah. in Texas. Like California. Oh. Exactly. It's like now, California. Now, now we're in the feds, you know what I mean? So it's like, if you're from one part of Texas and you don't get along with these part of guys from California, it's time to go. And, and then <laughs> it's the other way around. And this part over here in Texas, if you don't, if you hang out with these guys and you're from that gang, it's time to go. It's green light on site type shit. Right. So for me, I stayed down on my own. I went independent and, you know, I had my paperwork, so I didn't rat. So I was like, dude, I'm just, all right, I'm cool. And then find out what, what, what the prison I was at and, and in Texas, they're, they're the freaking, uh, 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 the, the farmers, they call them, which is like the, the real, the more organized, like the, the not more organized, but they're, they're called the more, they're, the, they're called organized gangs. Right. You got, you got farmers and you got like, you know, like the blast, the tall guys, you know, stuff like that, the West guys, all that stuff, right? So here I am, man. I'm getting off the bus, dude. I'm the first Rasa, first Mexican off the bus and shit, right? And they're like, they're like, uh, Joe Girl, 159907 I'm like, yes, sir. Where you from, girl? I was like, Fort Worth, Texas, sir. Oh hell, you better not be no tongue blast because you're about to get about 20 holes pointing you if you go walk on this compound. <laughs> I was like, what? Like, no, nah, sir, I'm not independent, man. I'm, I'm, I'm solo, I'm solo. He's like, you got any tattoos? And man, when I was like young, uh, uh, yeah, they can't see my arm, but when I was young, I had this Aztec uh, calendar sun, got tatted. I was right. like 20. You know how it is, go party in Mexico, get a tattoo, get drunk, right. come back. <laughs> right. Check it out, you know, Viva Rasa and everything. I'm like, and here I am, like, yeah, I got this tattoo on my arm. Oh, you're an Azteca. You're all right. I go, I ain't no Azteca. Like, yeah, your guys live here. I'm like, oh, shit. So here I am, like, what the fuck? I hope they don't fucking categorize me with these guys, you know? Because I'm like, right. hell no. Nah, I don't know what nobody. And, man, we get in there. That was the most eeriest walk because it was it was at night. We're walking a compound. It's the first time I'm on a yard. You know, all you hear is the doors and the, and the windows. They pound the windows like. Right. Every time someone comes, dude, everybody pounds the windows on the whole, on all the dorms. And there's like four, three buildings, A yard, A block, B block, and C block. And you're talking about uh, 300 people in each dorm. And there's four dorms in each wow. block. And so, like, everybody's like, do, 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 do. So right. it's like, what the fuck? What am I doing here? And I'm like, well, let's go. Man, I'm over here calling my mom. Wow, wow. <laughs> Something happened, man. I'm not supposed to be here. I'm at the pen. It just killed somebody. I don't know what the hell's going on. Dude, I get in the cell, bro, which was which is so funny, bro, because um I'm sitting there talking, right? And and I'm like, you know, I'm listening to who's on the yard. Like, oh, okay, I know who's on the yard. I'm like, I actually got some people that I know, you know, from the streets, some family members, you know, from the old days and shit that know all these people too and stuff. So I'm like, all right, I should be good, right? Um, so next thing you know, dude, there was this old man that was on the bus with me, dude, and uh, uh, he he fucking I'm going to C block, and he's all like, he's like, hey, you going to C block? I go, yeah, C four. I go, yeah. He's like, hey, dude, tell him Willie's back. I'm like, all right, you know, whoever the hell Willie is, you know what I mean? Right. But dude, I get into my cell, right? Because you know they they put us in the cell, and there's this guy in the bunk bed. He's all he's got his beanie on. They look tripped out, bro, because he's all under the blanket. He's just sitting there. And at the time, you know, I'm, like I said, I'm green in a mug at that time. I didn't even know what was going on. 
And you know, you know, you know how it is now. You know, it's all heroin addicts in there. This, you know, that that move's tough in there. Well, he was all Malia's. You know what I mean? He was all sick, dope sick, because they've been on lockdown for a while. He ain't got no fix. So he's all sitting there. Hey, Holmes, where you from? Because he was from New Mexico, Albuquerque, right? And he was all like, he was all like, where you from, Holmes? I'm like, oh, man, I'm from Texas, dude. I go, hey, some guy named Willie said he's back. Oh, Mr. Willie? Oh, yeah, you straight. This is a Texas sale, so you're more than welcome to come here. And like, hey, man, I don't run with nobody, though. Like, oh, no, no, you're straight, though. You're straight, like. Yeah, I kept like that was all because I seen the movies, you know what I mean? So I'm like, yeah. I ain't taking nothing from nobody. This is now blah blah. Well, they say, no, this dude gives me this, hands me a freaking a knife, like a fucking a steel blue knife. I remember, dude, it would trip me out. It was a steel blue one. And uh uh he uh, uh had it wrapped with freaking the, the gloves, the yellow gloves and stuff. And he's like, Man, you're gonna need one of these. And I was like, What the heck? I was like, man, first day he hands me a freaking knife, man. And then we were on, and we hadn't even got shook it down yet. And I still, he goes, you can have it if you beat the shakedown, and I'll show you how to beat the shakedown, and then what's called, uh, and, and you can keep it after that. And I was like, what the fuck? He goes, if you get caught with it, it's yours. And I was like, well, fuck it. I go, at least I'll look cool, you know, that I first got <laughs> in, you know, and I get in trouble, and I call the night. I'm like, fuck it, you know what I mean? Right. So I fucking took the heat. I was like, let's go. We got it, you know, they came and shook ourselves down. We had it put up. Everything was good. We made it. They did the shakedown. We come off the yard. Man, it was game time after that. Dude, it was sharks in the water. And yeah. everybody was like, oh, no, I'm shark. You know, I'm, there's sharks here. So I was like, well, I got to be a shark killer. Because, you know, you know, I come from the neighborhood too. Like, dude, there was drive-by next door to our house type stuff. You know, we was, you know, we could fight. You know, we come from that era too. We come from stabbing. You know, it's you know, hand-to-hand combat to shooting, whatever, right? Right. So, and this, you know. You know, and I thought I was like, all right, I'm six one. You know, I'm pretty big size. You know, all these Mexicans, they're small as hell. You know what I mean? So I'm like, so I know how to fight. So I'm like, shit, let's go. And if it comes down to a knife, I guess you know, God, God will pick who's gonna live. You know? Right. And dude, it was rocking and rolling, dude. And, so yeah. how long did you do total in your prison time? Seven, seven and a half, and five at this place that I'm telling you, so, man. It, it so what? Place, two at the state and five at a federal level. Yeah. Right. So that's a long time. Right. So but I, I mean, I've, I had to laugh with you when you said, like, I called my mom, like, what the fuck is going on here? Like, you know what I mean? Because yeah. I don't care how bad you think you are. I mean, there's those few. Right. But us that are like even me, my first time, I was so quiet because I was like, even in the county jail and I'm watching shit go on, guys fighting each other. And I'm like, <laughs> I wanted to call my mommy like what's going on here? Like, I, I only got a ticket. And you're, they're sending me to jail. You know what I mean? But I get that fear, right? Because that's a whole different environment, right? And, and one thing yeah. I got to tell you is, you know, I applaud you for getting through that, right? Because there's a lot of guys that don't. Uh, here's my take on, like, myself, my experience, right? So I think if I would have went to prison, you and I wouldn't be talking. We would have never met at that event. You know what I mean? Because I think I would have just totally, like, went, F it, fuck it. I'm going to do my thing. And, you know, whatever the gods give me or God gives me, I'll deal with it then, right? But thank God this this judge gave me a third chance, right? And believe it or not, Joe, I believe like even though you did prison time, that was divine intervention, right? It was it was a way for yes. God to go wake you up and go, yeah, it's gonna yeah. suck while you're here, but let's see how your faith is, right? And 
Um, yes. You know what I mean? And, and let's see this because this is either going to make you or break you. Right. Yes. You're going to have to do some yes. time. Right. So like I said, you know, you're one of the guys I look up to you and I click from day one. Right. Because not just because we have that same background, but just because your drive yeah. as a human being like you're a good man. Right. So. Man, that time to be positive. <laughs> right, right, right. You know what? And it was weird. Like, you know, that's the most toughest situation to be positive in, right? But even my last time doing a six-month violation, I found the humor in things, right? Yeah, I had my moments. But like the guys I ran with in there, we always try to laugh every night. We just try to joke. And, oh, you know, man, all because, the time laughing. You know what I mean? Because half of them were going to prison. And other us, we're going to get out of, of course, eventually, but we just started to laugh and stuff. Right. And I learned some hard lessons while I was in there. Um, so you had that moment. Right. And then you get out. Right. And you're like, OK, what do I do now? Right. I've been in prison for seven years. Like, like, what am I going to do with my life? Right. And I know what you do. Like, so tell the audience a little bit, like what led you to do what you are now? I know you work in crypto, right? You do video. You're like a, a tech guy. You help people with like NFTs and crypto and all that. How did that prison time lead you down that road? And like, how did you get uh, become a part of Apex, which is a network we're a part of, right? What led you to that, yeah. to where you said, I'm going to change my Man. life, right? Because, you know, our credo, our, our our thing is to be our the, the best and most elite version of ourselves every day and represent what winning looks like at all times. So tell the audience about that part. Man, um, it, it it, it, that really started like in it was 2012. I was I was about a year and a half away from coming out of prison. Oh, uh, yeah, two years. I had read this book called The Master Key System, and 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 what was so wild about it before that I had got into a, a, a altercation and in the you know stabbing somebody and then getting stabbed as well. And literally, like they said, I had lost my life and you know and had to bring me back type stuff, right? And that right there was the moment where it was the last three things I remember for like, I literally like, like, like lights out was, it was like, fuck, I cannot believe I'm going to die in this hellhole. Second was all the shoulda, woulda, coulda. Man, I should have been a better person. Damn, I should have did this. And then at the very end, like the very, very end, it was like, well, fuck, none of this matters anyways. I'm dead. So who cares? Let's go. And I had the most peace, calmest peace before that. And that just stuck with me. And then here I am reading, I read this book called The Master Key System. And, and it literally like breaks it down. Like, why do you think positive? What the whole, how it works with our conscious mind, subconscious, solar plexus, energy, vibration, frequency, all of it. Self-talk, affirmations, all this, right? And it literally said that too. Imagine your most elite version yourself. And here I was in this cell, on another lockdown, of course, and I'm like, all right, what, what is it? You know what I mean? What is, what does that look like? And, and I'm literally in this cell by myself and I'm like, all right, man, ain't nobody looking at me. Can't nobody make fun of me. It don't even matter, bro, what the fuck you say. So just what, what, what's the first thing that comes out, you know? And I, when I said it out loud, I kind of almost like, ah, you know, like, oh man. But I, I was like, fuck it, 19.9 trillion. That's my, that's my net worth back. That's what I'm worth at 84 years old. It just came out. Right. Like there's I was like, well, just say it, you know? And that's what came out. And I was all like, that's it. And dude, I remember like, cause it said like from day one, you got to start thinking positive in order to start attracting that. And here I am in the deepest hellhole of all. 
and then starting day one of this. And I remember day three, I phoned it because like I heard some news that my daughter like ran away and I'm stuck in here. We're about to go on another lockdown and all this shit, you know, and I'm like, fuck, how can I fucking keep taking positive in this shit? And it was like, <laughs> it's hard, right? Those, yes. And even though those three days of just being positive, like literally, cause it was down, like I didn't have no money in there at this time. And like, you know, people had owed me some money, but I was like, I need to get some food and this and that. And all of a sudden, like literally when I had like said that, cause those three days that I was like, Positive, 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 positive. Smile on my face, but I'm fucking hurting inside. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> well, that I type do. of shit. Yeah, I'm just going to talk positive just because this book says to talk positive. You know what I mean? Like literally. <laughs> right. They're like, all right, I'm just going to do what it says because fuck, I tried it my way. And it worked, bro, because I ended up getting a knock on the door. Some of me owed me $100 and I get it in stamps. He's like, hey, bro, here's these stamps that I owe you. And I was like, oh. so I'm like, I got to keep going. Like, let's keep thinking like this. Right. Let's keep seeing myself as this elite version of myself. And then I remember getting out, dude, and, and, and I'm out, man. I get my first job. It's at this barbecue spot in my, you know, where I'm from, my hometown. And, dude, I get my first check. I work two weeks. I had told him I work every day. And, I, you know, at the Hackmore house, I can only uh, have I – I can take one day off. So I was like, man, schedule me from Monday through Saturday. I don't even care, you know. Right. I get my check, dude, and here I am. Uh, 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 60 hours in type stuff and all I get is 70 bucks dude like 75 bucks on my check and like dude I, I, I literally almost had a fucking anxiety attack so I was like how am I supposed to take care of my family how am I supposed to do this all this stuff and I got 75 fucking dollars you know I owe child support oh freaking you know for the halfway house fees also right. they took all of that and then here's my shit for another two weeks and because of that that I kept going back to that no bro because you're at 84 years old and you're worth this much, you're going to get through this. You have to go through this for this <laughs> to happen. Yes. Like, that was always how they kept me going. Right. And and, and, and then it was, it, it, what ended up happening where it finally got me was, I ended up catching another charge because some a, a, a political elective in my neighborhood knew me from back in the day and some people that we had shot and stuff. And he always, now he's like, you know, an official and, you know, he's over here trying to, like, scare me and shit. Like, yeah, you know, I'm this, this, and this. And, like, man, I don't give a fuck what you are. Because, like, when yeah. I heard about you, I'm like, well, damn, I'm glad you did because it's all true. Like, <laughs> yeah, but, right. But, like, after that, he was always, like, messing with me because at that time I'm working in the service industry and the area that I'm at, you know, there's bars and stuff. So, you know, I, I get off my shift and I, I want to go have a drink. But he would, like, tell people not to let me in, this and that, blah, blah, blah. So, finally, man, I'm, I'm on a date. And next thing you know it, we're in a couple's date. We're trying to get into this place. And he's he's working or he's there next to the door guy because he knew all these people because he was that elected official. And he tells him not to let me in. And, bro, I just snapped, bro. And I pulled a knife. I threatened him. And I was like, man, fuck you. Fuck you. Y'all ain't shit. Y'all lucky that y'all are on that side of the road. And let's go. Like, nobody saw me do it because I did it so fast. Right. And, then you know, it, it ended up being like Father's Day weekend, and my kids had got me this bright ass orange polo shirt with some orange Chuck Taylors. And they had told the off duty police officer, it was like, and, and so he calls me, he's like, Hey, you in the orange? I'm like, The only guy in the orange. He's like, You stop. He's like, They said you try to stab him. I'm like, I ain't trying to stab nobody. And he reaches in my pocket, dude, and there's my knife that uh, unfolded and opened. And I've already been out, what, three, two years, I want to say, two and a half years. Right. And, and like, bro, they take me straight to jail. And like, there I was sitting in in, in, in that little county jail, 
And here I was again. Oh, my God, there you go. You're going to be back to doing this. I'm like, no, because at 84 years old, I am this. <laughs> and this is what I have to fucking go through to get there. Right. And, dude, that shit stuck in my head, dude. And then I was like, I, and, and it worked, bro. And then when I finally beat that, I did beat it. And then what's called, I, I ended up violating because I had a, 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 a took dirty pistols because that whole time I was stressing, bro. So I was all there smoking weed like a motherfucker. <laughs> right. I, I, dude, that, that was about the only thing that would calm me down back then, you know? So I finished doing that. I, I ended up having to go back for a violation four years later after being out, which was so funny because they sent me to the prison that was the enemies of the prison that I had originally went to. So like, since you come, if they, you know, you're coming from the yard from over there, or you came from there, even if you are with somebody or not, you're a suspect, bro. Right. You're like, oh, you're over there with their enemies. You know, what are you doing there? You know, yeah. oh, you're, so you're guilty. This, you know? Very, you're definitely guilty yes. before you're innocent, right? Yes. <laughs> so then I had to go through that. And it was like, no, because at 84, I'm fucking this. <laughs> and I had to go through this shit. Right. And that's where that faith and all that comes in, bro. And it, and, it, and, it, and, I, and I, I went out to that yard. I fucking, nothing happened to me because I was already on that mentality already, you know? Right. And, and, and it was not that I was some bad motherfucker. I was just already visualizing me going home divinely without sorrow. That's all I was saying. Like, I wasn't like, I'm just some bad dude and, you know, nobody can take me on. No, it was right. like, every day that I wake up, I know how this works now. Right. It starts from within out. Yes. So like all yes. that stuff that I was going through, that was just my past thoughts. Even if it was when I was unaware and fearful and thinking that for those flash moments with that feeling, because when you have that feeling and that thought aligned, boom, that shit's going to hit. Yeah. Good and bad. Yeah. You know what I mean? I do. And so that, so that's where all this stuff was like, those were all my exercises to continue to get through all this stuff. Because right. I gotta be that guy, and that's all I can just think of. Right. Like that—that that was like the outlet. Those times when I was sitting in that in that in that prison behind the walls, when it was time to get down, and and, and, and it's gonna be a race ride because we have to just go. Right. And it was like shit, man. We're gonna have to go, man. We have to go. Thank God nothing happened because you know what? To me, I think why nothing happened because I kept saying to myself, "No, this right. is what it is. I see us being like this. I see it like this." And just because that, without letting fear get to me and start thinking the worst of the worst and seeing the worst of the worst and feeling the worst of the worst, it was opposite. I was telling myself, it's this. I feel this way. I feel already that we're going to get through this. I feel that it's going to be like this. And I see it like this. And then, boom, action, opportunity comes in, take that action. That's why the attraction happens. Like, that's how it all really started for me. And then finally, when I got to Apex, like how I got into there, it was literally another challenge. Literally, I had, I had some property, what's called, that was left to me. I tried to do a flip. You know, the people I thought that were helping me, they weren't there to help me. I ended up losing 100 grand in like four months. Like, as soon as I had gotten out of that that violation. So, next thing you know, I'm down to the wire, bro. And, I, I like, at that time, I'm like, shit, I ain't got no money. So, I started playing around again. Let me let me see if I can move some weed here and there or something. Right. You know what I mean? Get a little cash. Now I'm sitting here with $1,500 in my pocket and uh, no house. Now the house that I'm in, I got to be out in two weeks. The girl that I'm, that I'm with, she's over here just in my ear talking shit. You ain't shit. That's why you're not going to be shit. This and this. And then I got this last 1500 bucks, no credit. You know, I didn't have none of this shit. And I'm like, I see fucking there's a deal because I had to learn about what those, what, what funnels were. 
you know, right. uh, phone sites and software and started playing with that. And then what ended up happening was I got phone sites. And the way I got that was, because this is before I got the $1,500, what I did was I didn't even have that. So I'm like, shit, I signed up for phone sites for free for 14 days, taught myself how to use it and build funnels. I had, I didn't never knew how. It was just all YouTube university type stuff, right? <laughs> right. And, then, and literally what's called learn how to do Facebook ads. And then what's called, what I did was uh, um, uh, had to sign up a second uh, 14 days, built a phone funnel for this for this uh dealership that was here for some guy i knew and i seen that you know man he might want some ads and i went over there and talked to him and told me hey man i'll do your ads and this and that blah 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 you know what's up and he was like all right i'll sign and i was like what the heck so boom you know that's how that like i, I got that well now here it is uh because uh, i was paying like monthly and then so here i am you know uh, a deal came in like get phone sites for life and become an Apex member for a year for $1,500. And I'm just like, man, that's a deal for the phone sites already off the rip. I'm already paying 100 bucks a month. Like, right. Let me just do this, right? And so I was like, I was like, bet. So I did it, man. And and, and it was so funny because that girl that I was with at the time, dude, she was talking noise. It's like, do you don't even because my daughter needed emergency surgery, dude. And the car that I had, I had to sell it. So I was like, no car, no home. No job, no nothing, dude. I'm just like, shit. And so fucking, I had to tell her to take me to go put the money on a prepaid card. She was like, what are you doing? And I was like, I just need you to put, take me to go put this money on the prepaid card. And as soon as I got it, man, I got on my phone, bro. And I signed up and I was like, it don't matter. I go, I've already tried it my way. I've, I've been watching that guy, Ryan Stuman for a minute. He went to prison type stuff, same similar background and everything. And I was like, dude, if this dude's doing it, I just got to do whatever the hell this dude's doing. So I was right. like, you know what? I'm just going to sign up and that's it. And then literally I signed up, man. It, it was freaking totally worth it, bro. Had that imposter syndrome at first, but then it comes back like, dude, I just came from the pen. I did all this stuff, dude. What, what is what is this? This is something pro positive. This is something good for you. Like, what you being scared for? And then I started yeah. putting myself out there more. Started putting myself out there more. And then like, you know how it goes, bro. It, it, you just take more action. You just build yep. yourself up. You know, you start putting yourself in those rooms. You know, you start being uncomfortable. Start being comfortable being uncomfortable because that's all it is. Bingo. People see. Did you hear that, audience? I've shared this on this podcast many times, right? Where we, the good guests, you've heard it again now. Almost every guest in their own way will tell you, learn to get comfortable being uncomfortable. That's awesome, yeah. bro. Like you have come so far. Yeah. Like, like I'm grateful we're friends now and I'm grateful we got to meet. You know what I mean? It's like, well, you're one of those guys that could say, yeah, Joe, I can, I get the guy for you. I know he knows what he's doing. Let me go call Joe for you. So briefly tell before we have to go, like briefly tell the audience, like exactly now that you've done all your prison time, how you've changed your life, which is just amazing. Tell them what you do for a living now and how you help people. Yeah. Uh, well, a uh, quick little side story too on, on what I do, uh, how it started. That same day when I had, you know, had to visualize that that net worth and eighty-four year old stuff, I was like, "Well, how am I going to do it?" And it was always for me media. I just love some reason. I just always love commercials, and so I was all like, "Dude, I'll start a media company. I'll create content. I'll I'll figure out commercials or something." And I literally sat down on that table and wrote one local multimedia and Warflower Productions. 
uh, back then, which I actually still have the same scribble right now that, you know, when I originally wrote it. Right. And now one local multimedia Inc. is my, you know, S-Core and Cloud Productions LLC. And that's that's actually my uh, uh, my my LLC. The Warflower is my like like my production company and the one local multimedia is, you know, we're the ones that run ads and stuff for for clients. Uh, uh, home service businesses, client-based home service businesses, to uh, cannabis industry, to freaking you know now we're like NFTs and stuff. Now I'm, we're branching onto that, and to me that's literally the the marketing 3.0. Like that's where it's all going next. So awesome, like, So it's making funnels to Facebook ads, to TikTok ads, to Google My Business, to LinkedIn. Like we're taking over all the whole all media now bro just to put put our clients in front of all their customers absolutely man and i'm proud of how far you come even from when i first met you you like leaps and bounds bro so like i know what this episode will be called from from prison to ceo joe garrett you know what i mean that's you know that's awesome you took a bad negative situation and you turned it into a positive so my hat's off to you bro like much much respect you know that so i'm going to ask you a couple questions i like to ask my guests right you know, I wrote a book. I'm going to ask you the first part. So fearless, like, and you've been in, you kind of already talked about, but you've been in some serious situations, but what does fearless mean to you? And how does that show up in your life every day? Now that you're free from all that, you know what I mean? Fearless now it's a whole, really, it's a whole different yeah. challenge, right? Being a CEO. Yes. Yes. Fearless is just walking in true faith, man. Like, you hear that voice inside what you need to do in life, right? We ignore it. We suppress it with, with alcohol, drugs, weed, whatever. You know, whatever anybody's vice, you know what I mean? Because sometimes, you know, we don't want to hear that voice. And then we wonder why shit's always fucked up. You know what I mean? <laughs> True. And, 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 and it's like, that's being fearless by following with that voice. Because that voice, is, it's God, man. To me, it's like, that's that connection of God. Like, that's when you're sitting there talking to God and hearing that you need to do this or go do this then. You know what I mean? Right. And then being fearless about it is actually going and taking action and doing it. Like without doubting yourself, without, you know, no, I can't do that. Or, you know, having to go through bullshit till you finally had enough when it's back against the wall and then doing it. You know what I mean? Right. Like actually just doing it daily, consistently, every fucking day, all the damn time. And, and that's, and, and that's, that's truly being aware of what what's going on, like in your head and your heart, all of it. And that to me is being fearless. Awesome, man. I couldn't have said it better. I mean, and you're living proof. You prove it to to me every day. Um, so happiness, right? That's the second part of my title of my book. And I put a why in there. There's a reason I did it. So what does happiness, knowing I put that why in there instead of the I, what does happiness mean to you? Man. To me, just off the back, man, it's like after you're living faithfully, like I just explained, that's where that happiness comes. Like that's happiness, like just yeah. being your, your true self. Because then you can't like do it. If you know you done put in the work, you done did everything, you know, that you, you know you needed to do for that day or that task or whatever. Dude, that's happiness when the job is complete. Like, you know, just, you know, just the, like here's one example. Coming home, that was happiness. And then till I, till I had to get the job, then I got the job. That was happiness. And then had to see my kids. That was that. And then it just continues, continues, continues. And it's like, you just get those wins. And those wins are the happiness that, that I, I see that 
that's what it is to me. That's what you will name it. You know, that's awesome, man. That's very, you're amazing dude, my brother, you're amazing dude. So people want to work with you, right? Knowing now what you do, you know, for a living, how can they get, how can they get a hold of you, Joe, if they want to work with you? Man, um, pretty much go to social media. Like I'm, I'm across pretty much all the platforms, same name, Joe D. Guerra. Uh, uh, like find me on Facebook. You can find me on Instagram. You can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, uh, like uh, we have a group, Crypto Kingdom, Crypto Kingpins on Facebook. You can find me there. Uh, look me up, One Local Multimedia, like One Crazy in Spanish. Uh, uh, look, find me there. And, and I'll be on, on Instagram and, and pretty much everywhere. You know what I mean? That's what yeah, we do. <laughs> that's right. Awesome. And I'll make sure I put that in the show notes when I release this episode. So if anybody wants to get a hold of you, they can. Um, yeah. So before we part ways, man, this has been an awesome, awesome interview. Thank you so much for taking the time, Joe, to be on my show with me. Um, but I always like to ask my guests, what is one piece of advice you can leave my audience that will help him grow as a human being. Man, always remember the choice is yours. You always have the choice what to what to, what to think. Like like the whole thing about it, you know, no matter what the hell's going on in your life, you know, you always have the choice of that attitude. And that's where it begins. People think, you know, oh well, this is happening to me. This is happening to me. This is happening. Nah, dude, that's a victim mentality right there. Like right. you have a choice to think differently. And the best thing, what I've learned is like, start thinking of other people that gets you out of that. Like, that's where you start getting that purpose and stuff. You know, that's all the choice is yours to self-talk. That's all it is. You feel bad. You must be telling yourself something. You right. must have got triggered. You must have told yourself something bad. And now you're feeling bad because the thought comes first. Yes. Then the feeling. Yep. And so once you know that. The choice is always yours to fucking think what you want to think. Right. I always like to tell people feelings aren't always fact, right? So don't go with your first feeling because it could be totally off. You know what I mean? Take a second to pause and think about, okay, like I like me, I like to, yeah, I like to think about all the good in my life. So I don't go right because I I can go to the, you know, we can both go to the negative, like in lickety split and then we get stuck. Right. And then you, like you said, we get stuck in that uh, victim mentality but I always like to think of the things I'm grateful for. Right. So one of those things we're taught to do in our network, right. Find the things, you know, even in my recovery in almost 19 years, I still do like a gratitude journal. Right. And then I got the G code to keep me going on that, but well said my brother, again, that was awesome. Thank you so much for being a guest and and I'll definitely bring you back. You know, we're going to see how your, your company's going, but we'll bring you back at another time. But uh, first and foremost, thank you for being a friend and for, for joining me on this podcast. Thanks, Joe. Thank you. Appreciate you as well, man. Thank you for having me, man. I'm very grateful, man, for all of this, man. Thank you.